and amen. You may be seated. Welcome, welcome to Chapel of Change. How many are ready to receive the word today? At this time, let us welcome our Pastor Brian. Give him a big hand clap. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. We greet you with Jesus joy, as well as all those watching online. Let's make some noise for those watching online. If you're watching online, we greet you as well. Go ahead and hit share. If you're watching on YouTube, just hit the subscribe button. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Uh, Luke 13, there's a, I, I got a typo right there, but it's actually Luke 13, verse 31 through 33. As you're turning to Luke chapter 13, uh, just a couple special announcements to make to keep you updated. Um, for the indefinite future, we made some changes in the, in the ministry. Uh, first of all, next Sunday, there's going to be uh, time change in our services, so please be aware of this. Uh, our Carson service is going to start at 9.30 in the morning. Our Paramount service is going to start at 10 a.m., so it's moving from 9.30 to 10 a.m., and then uh, ne starting next week, it's going to be 10 a.m. and 12.30 at our Paramount location, 10 a.m., and 12.30 at our Paramount location. And then at evening, it's gonna move from five to 4.30, 4.30. So get this, I'm gonna say it one more time. You'll, we'll, we'll make announcements. Next Sunday, the service times are gonna be Carson, 9.30, Paramount, 10 a.m., 12.30, and then Carson, 4.30. So jot that down so you know uh, you can keep up with what God is doing uh, here. And then particularly here at the Paramount location, our AM service is going to be in the sanctuary, but our 1230 service is going to be outside. So we're keeping, we're keeping options for those that may not be comfortable with coming inside. Uh, we'll have outdoor service as long as there's not a hurricane, right? As long as there's not a hurricane. If there's a hurricane, we might have to come inside, all right? So um, keep that in mind. And then also keep in prayer. We're going to be relaunching our Long Beach Sunday service on Father's Day, Father's Day. So keep that in prayer. We have a building on Long Beach Boulevard in the 405 freeway, uh, and we'll have a service there, I think, at about 11.15 a.m. So if you know anybody who lives in the city of Long Beach and, and you want to invite them, I encourage you to get them ready. It's going to launch on Father's Day. Keep that in prayer. There's a lot of stuff happening at Chapel of Change as we seek to master this pandemic in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 13, verse 31 through 33, ready or not, uh, this is the kind of the foundational text that we've been going over for, the, uh, for a couple weeks now, and, and we're going to look at it uh, even for a couple more weeks. But listen to the word of the Lord. It says, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Look at verse 32. Jesus replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, get, get this what he says, in any case, I must 
press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and the doing of his word. Let's pray over God's word this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we open up your word this morning to eat. We pray that you feed us faith, feed us joy, feed us strength, and if need be, correct us this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone says, amen. amen. Uh, my brothers and sisters, when we study the life of Jesus while he was on this earth for three and a half years. As you study his life in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one thing that we will conclude is that Jesus lived on mission. Jesus lived on mission. Like he lived an exciting life. He he every moment, every second of his life was on mission from the Father. And part of his mission, part of Jesus' mission while he was on earth was to heal the sick and deliver those that were oppressed by the devil. That's part of his mission while he was here on earth, was to heal the sick and to set free those that were oppressed uh, by, by the work of the devil in their life. In fact, Jesus gave his mission statement uh, at the start of his ministry in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Uh, I'm going to put it up on the screen and kind of read it. This was Jesus' uh, mission statement for his ministry. He, he, at the beginning of his ministry, he went to the synagogue and he spoke this out. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. That's powerful right there. Amen. That, that was, that's the mission statement of Jesus. Uh, uh, he lived on mission for the Father. And, 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 and in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we also see kind of like a, a summary version of Jesus' mission. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, listen to what this says. It's almost similar. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Someone say power. And power and how he went around doing good and healing, get that healing, all who were under the power of the devil, get this, for God was with him. So when we study the life of Jesus while on earth, we learn that he was a man on a mission and guess what? His mission continues today. His mission continues today. Jesus is still healing people. Jesus is still setting people free. The good news of the kingdom is still being preached. And the Lord seeks to fulfill his mission through his church, which is you and I. We are the hands and we are the feet and we are the mouthpiece of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church says, amen. amen. And uh, uh, there's nothing more powerful than living life on mission with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, last Saturday, 
uh, we celebrated at our Whittier campus two Saturdays ago. We had a couple people, two people that got baptized right, right after the service and they went into the waters of baptism and they declared their, their, their allegiance to the kingdom of God. And, and in a couple weeks, I think here, we're gonna have baptisms. We have about seven or I don't know, six to 10 people signed up. That is a sign that God is moving in, in the midst of us. That is a sign that the Lord Jesus is here through the Holy Ghost. That's a sign that God has whipped chapel of change. That is a sign that the mission continues through, through you and I. Someone say the mission continues. I heard a story last week of a, a, a lady who came to chapel of change uh, last uh, Sunday and she came in uh, depressed. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but in this last year, a lot of people uh, have fallen into depression particularly people that are isolated, that, that are by themselves. So if you have a spouse, you better be happy for your spouse. If you have family, you better be happy for your family. But there's a lot of people that spent this whole year by themselves and they slipped into depression. And, you, and, and the, the, the story, this lady came to Chapel of Change last Sunday, uh, uh, just, just heavy down in depression, but through the worship, through the praise, through the elevating of the name of Jesus, she said the Holy Spirit delivered her from that spirit of, of, of oppression that, that she got delivered. Even before the preaching took place, it happened in the worship. It happened in the praise. And that's, that's another sign that the mission of Jesus continues through you and I. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? So in Luke chapter 13, this opening scripture that we've been kind of marinating in, what we see is Jesus kind of radically fulfilling his mission. That's what we see. We, he, he's, he's living his life on mission. And when you read the whole chapter of Luke chapter 13, you see Jesus calling people to repentance. You see Jesus delivering a lady from demonic oppression. You see the, the, the preaching of the good news of the kingdom. This all takes place in Luke chapter 13. And as Jesus is fulfilling his mission, all of a sudden, get this, Satan attacks Jesus with this mob of religious folk. That's what we see in Luke chapter 13, verse 31 through 33. It, 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 it's an attack from Satan, but here, here it is. It's a subtle attack. It's a sneaky attack. And I'm going to point out how in a minute. But, but as, we, as we study God's word this, this morning, we need to understand that the enemy, our enemy, the enemy of our soul is sneaky and crafty. Got to understand that. As, as we wage this spiritual warfare, as we're part of the revolution of the kingdom of God, taking back the earth uh, uh, from Satan, snatching up souls for the kingdom of God, we got to understand that the enemy of our soul is sneaky and he's crafty in so much that Ephesians 6.11 uh, uh, speaks of the schemes of the devil. The schemes, the tricks of the devil. Listen, Satan is so sneaky that he set up strongholds in all our lives, uh, and, and some of them, we don't even know they're there. That's how sneaky he is. I, I would suggest to us that, it, that, that everybody in here, including I, from time to time, Satan sets up strongholds uh, 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 in our life that we don't even know are there. And we think everything is okay, and all along there's areas in our life that the enemy has taken over. That's why it's so important. For us to always be praying, Lord, search my heart. So important for us to always have a, 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 a posture of humility before, before the Lord. Lord, search my heart. Lord, Lord, uh, cleanse my heart from any unclean thing that I know of and that I don't know of. 
And, and that's why it's so important, my brothers and sisters, that, that we have someone who disciples us. So important for you to have someone that disciples you because uh, you need people to point out your blind spots. We all have blind spots. And if you don't have nobody that loves you enough to confront you, you'll be walking around with a monkey on your neck all your life and not even know what's going on. That's why it's important that we have, uh, we are part of smaller groups. That's why we have kingsmen. We have smaller groups. Why? Because you could probably hide in the big group, but you can't hide in the small group. You can't hide in the small group. And you engage eventually, right? Eventually, as someone disciples you in the care of God, you know, they'll be able to say, hey, I don't think that's right. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, there's something, I don't think that's right. And I, I think you need a church. I, I think you need to be a part of a church that loves you enough every once in a while to point some things out. Not beat you up, but just point some things out. Hello, somebody. So the title of our study uh, on this weekend is entitled Press On. Someone say Press On. Press on. And Jesus is teaching us here in Luke chapter 13 through his testimony, through his interaction. He's teaching us how to press on. That's what he's doing through, through his interaction with this religious group, through his pushback of this satanic attack. He's teaching us how to press on. And what I want to do in our study this morning, I just want to point out two things that I learned about Jesus on, on, on what do we press on with? What do we press on with? And I'm just going to point out two things for our study. And I think it's going to strengthen you. I think it's going to help you. I think it's going to lace you up for this week. Uh, and whatever the enemy throws at you, you're going to be able to stand. Amen. Amen. So, so let me point out just two things in our study of the scripture uh, in that opening passage. Are you ready? Already, the first thing that I want to point out is that we are to press on with discernment. Someone say discernment. We are to press on with discernment. Now, pay attention. I want you to lean into something because I'm going to show you something in the text you probably didn't see on the surface. But this attack was particularly sneaky because it was done by religious leaders. How many know the enemy sometimes uses religious leaders? So on the surface, they act like they care for Jesus. Get this, lean into this. On the surface, they act like they, they care for Jesus. They, they act like they have Jesus' best interest in mind. There, there is a layer of concern in their words. They, they tell Jesus, you got to go. You got to go because Herod wants to kill you. You, you got to leave because Herod wants to kill you. So, so there's a layer of concern in their words. But get this, behind the facade of, of care, I want to suggest to you that it's really a trap. It's really a trap. This was a trap. This was a trap. In fact, one scholar suggests that the Pharisees wanted to get Jesus back into Judea where the religious leaders could watch him and ultimately trap him. The reason why they wanted him to leave is that they wanted him to get to a certain area where they could watch him, they could look at him, they could corral around him, and they could try to trap him. They, they didn't care. Since when did the Pharisees care about Jesus? They didn't care about Jesus. They wanted to trap Jesus. In fact, when you study the biblical record in the Gospels, over and over the religious leaders were trying to trap Jesus. For example, in Matthew 22, verse 15, it says, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in 
his words. So what what do I want us to get this morning? Well, they weren't trying to protect Jesus. They were trying to trap Jesus. The good news is, my brothers and sisters, as we study the record, is that Jesus discerned the trap. That's the good news. Jesus discerned the trap. He didn't fall for the trap. He discerned the trap from the enemy. And as a result of his discernment, he didn't fall into it. As a result in his discernment, he didn't get trapped in the trap. When you think about it, discernment is key in our generation. Particularly the day that we're living in right now, my brothers and sisters, it is important. It is important that Christians operate with discernment because we're we're, we're faced with a lot of fallacies almost every day. And and it's sad because a lot of Christians are feeding themselves with fallacies every day. They're, They're feeding themselves. And we cannot afford, my brothers and sisters, I say this in all love, but we cannot afford to be gullible Christians. Not in the day that we're living in right now. We cannot afford to be gullible Christians. We got to be able to discern the traps in life. And they're out there. They're out there. This is a spiritual warfare. The enemy doesn't come in a red jumpsuit and a, and a, and a pitchfork to try to get you. No, he lays a trap to set you up. And it's the gullible ones that keep on walking. Hello, somebody. So we need to talk about this. We need to arm ourselves. When I talk about um, discernment, when I talk about discernment, it speaks of the ability uh, to choose from uh, truth from error, right over wrong, and to decipher the outcome of a situation. So when I say we are to press on with discernment, discernment speaks of the ability to choose truth over error right over wrong and this is what i'm going to hold on today is to the ability to decipher the outcome of a situation that's key that's key to be able to discern to be able to look on the surface of a matter and to by the by the holy spirit by the wisdom of god and to be able to discern the outcome of that situation it is so key today in the generation that we're living in so key so key in fact Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, uh, the New Living Translation says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Did you catch that? The wise person foresees the danger and takes precautions. I, I love how the contemporary English version says it. It's, it, it's kind of like the LBC translation, but listen to what it says. It says, when you see trouble coming, don't be stupid and walk right into it. I love That's the contemporary English version. I didn't make it up. You can check it up yourself. When you see trouble coming, don't be stupid and walk right into it. Be smart and hide. See, a trap is something that looks okay on the surface, but then leads to pain and hurt. That's what a trap is. And the enemy doesn't come confronting us in a red jumpsuit and a pitchfork. It's like a cat playing with a ball of yarn. It feels, feels good at first, but next thing you know, the yarn is around its neck, choking it out. Is anybody following along? 
When you press on, when you decide to press on, particularly in the generation that we're living in today, it's very important that we say, Lord, give me discernment. Lord, fill my heart with discernment. Don't allow me to keep walking on. Don't allow me to just blindly walk on. So let's talk about this just a little bit. I want to just dig into this just a little bit. What, what are some traps we need to discern in our generation? What are some traps, all right? What are some traps? Uh, how about... How about uh, if you're married or you have a, a fiancé or maybe even a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but you get a message on Facebook from somebody of the opposite sex and they say, uh, can you call me up and pray for me? I'm having a, a bad day. I, I, I need you to pray for me. Someone say, that's a trap. Someone that say, that's a trap, right? If you're married, you got a fiancé, fiance, I would even say if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, don't answer that. Let God take care of that. Let God take care of that. Pray for, pray for that individual from a distance. Don't call. <laughs> Don't call. Someone say it's a trap. Well, what's, what's some other traps that might face us? How about when you um, sometimes, you know, you, you, you wake up on a Sunday and you, and you just have a feeling, oh, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like worshiping today. Someone say that's a trap. When you don't feel like coming to church, that's the most important time for you to come to church. When you don't feel like worshiping the Lord, that's when you need to worship the Lord. When you don't feel like praising God, that's when you need to be praising God. That's where the breakthrough is. You got to press into that. What's another trap? How about a trap is if you go out, if you go out for a weekend with your friends and your girlfriend or boyfriend and and, and you, sleep in the, you sleep in the same room as your girlfriend, but you sleep on the couch and she sleeps on the bed. Someone say, that's a trap. You say, well, we're not sleeping technically together. I'm on the couch and you're on the bed. We're not technically together. Someone say, that's a trap. As if the covers are going to protect you from one another. No, it's not. You got to be able to discern the trap. You got to be able to discern the trap. How about listening to more news than you listen to the Bible? Right? Someone say it's a trap. If you listen to more of the news, and I don't care what news it is, if you listen to more of the news than, than you do of the Bible, that's a trap. That, that's the enemy's trying to get in your head. Trying to get in your head. Some of us have been, have been captive in spiritual trap houses. We've just been held captive. In spiritual, and, we, and, and some of us, I'm telling you, the enemy's so sneaky, we don't even realize it. We're not, we don't even realize. That's why it's so important that we pray, Lord, cleanse my heart. Lord, give me discernment. That's why it's so important that we have someone who disciples us, speaks into our life in a caring yet confronting way. So to, to help us take out the blind spots. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? There's a reason why the Bible over and over warns us to be watchful. There's a reason why in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, the scripture says, be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There's a reason why he said be watchful. You know, when it says sober-minded, that's not just exclusively talking about alcohol, right? When he's talking about sober-minded, he's saying, listen, keep your head in the fight. Keep your head in the fight. Don't allow the enemy in your head because if you allow him in your head, then he got you. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, just listen to this. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong 
Even Jesus warned us in Matthew 26, verse 41. He says, watch and pray that you not uh, enter into temptation. Watch and pray. Sometimes you got to pray with one eye open. We got to press in with discernment. We got to be watchful. We got to be alert. Don't allow the enemy to get a foothold into our life. If we, just, if we give him an inch, he's going to take 50 miles out of our progress. I, I remember one time um, I have, I have a, a particular brother, older brother, who's very uh, uh, active. He's very active on the streets. And I remember when um, I got released from prison and I was on parole, it was a Christmas morning, and uh, he invited me. Uh, to go uh, on Christmas morning to watch the Laker game at my other brother's house. And uh, I hadn't seen that particular brother for like 25 years at that time uh, because he either he was in prison or I was in prison and it was Christmas Day, so I was feeling a little bit of nostalgic, right? I was feeling a little bit, you know, like family type stuff, right? And um, um, I hadn't seen him for a while and the Lakers were playing. That was when the Lakers played on Christmas Day. Anybody remember when the Lakers used to play on Christmas Day, right? And so I was like, man, I, I, I'm, uh, man I'm going to go see my brother. I'm going to go see my older brother. But 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 I had I had my kid, my, my, my son was little in a car seat, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to put him in the car seat. I'm going to wrap him up and I'm going to go hang out with my two brothers for the morning. But, but I was on parole at that particular time. I was on high power parole and I wasn't supposed to be uh, hanging around with active gang members. I couldn't hang out with active gang members. That was part of my limitations. But in the back of my mind, I was saying, well, uh, it's my family member. He's my brother. Certainly people will understand. He, he's my brother, right? I haven't seen him in 25 years. And so I'm getting my son ready. My, uh, he's a baby at that time. And I'm about ready to take off to my brother's house. And then something just inside of me said, you better not go. Better not go. Better not go. It's a trap. Better not go. And so I said, you know what? I'm not going to go. I got too much on the line. I'm married. Got a job. I got, at that time, one son. Nah, I got, I'm finally free, right? I'm finally free. I got some progress going on, right? You got to protect your progress at all costs. Let me tell you, if you got any type of progress, you got to protect your progress at all costs. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to lay it on the line. I'm not going to lay that on the line. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, sacrifice that. So I, I'm not going to go. I, I, I stayed home, watched the Laker game by myself. And would you know, I learned a day later that that morning they raided my brother's house looking for my brother because he had absconded at that time and they arrested him. And I was thinking, man, what if I was there with my little son and I'm on high power parole? They're not going to care about my son. They ain't going to care about my life. They ain't going to care about my progress, right? You know what they're going to do? Cha-ching! They're going to handcuff me and they're going to take me away and they're going to violate me at that time. Someone said, it's a trap. Sometimes you got to watch out for family members. Mm, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Sometimes they mean well, but man, it could be a spiritual trap. So, so we need to be praying, Lord, give me discernment. Cleanse my heart, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. But the second thing I want to point out in our study this morning is that we need to press on with faithfulness faithfulness. Someone say faithfulness. 
so, so going back to Luke chapter 13, remember the enemy with this religious mob pushes up on Jesus, right? Puts pressure on Jesus, said, get out of here. He uses intimidation, right? He, the enemy always tries to intimidate us to move from our place, right? The enemy tries to use intimidation to get you out of your place. Get, leave this place. And the enemy uses intimidation to get you to move from, from what God has called you to do. But listen to what Jesus does in verse 32. Jesus pushes back, and this is what he says. He says, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people this is what Jesus said I will keep on driving out demons and healing people so so think about this what is Jesus doing with these words listen what is he's doing this is what I'm gonna suggest to us listen he's restating his mission statement remember in the beginning of this message I read to you Jesus's mission statement that that at the beginning of his ministry he stood up and said listen the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the sick the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the blind so now he's in the middle of his mission he's in the middle of his ministry the enemy hits him intimidates him and what does he do he stands up and he restates his mission statement he doesn't abandon his mission because it gets hard what is jesus doing he's demonstrating the fruit of faithfulness that's what he's doing he's demonstrating He's demonstrating the fruit of faithfulness. I will keep on keeping on. I don't, I don't care what you throw at me. You're not going to drive me away from what God is doing in my life. You're not going to push me away from my progress. No, 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 no. I will keep on keeping on. He's demonstrating the fruit of faithfulness. He's, he's being faithful to the mission and to the call of God. And I want to suggest to us this morning that God is looking for his people to rise up in the spirit of faithfulness that when the situation gets hot you keep pushing forward in the name of Jesus now this week we studied um, we're still in our midweek study uh, on the fruit of the Spirit and we studied on the fruit of faithfulness that's what we we studied on this week and pastor Sandy helped out she did a great job and when you when you think of faithfulness right it speaks of loyalty Faithfulness speaks of trustworthiness, right? Uh, faithfulness speaks of commitment. So, so when I say faithfulness, what am I saying? I'm saying loyalty. I'm saying trustworthiness. I'm saying commitment. Now, now when you when you think of faithfulness, faithfulness is grounded in the character of God, but it's reflected in the people of God. So when you think of faithfulness, faithfulness is grounded in the character of God, but it's reflected in the people of God. It's grounded in God's character and reflected in God's people. Are you following along? So, so faithfulness is grounded in God's character means that faithfulness is who God is. It's who God is. That's, it's who God is. God has never made a promise he didn't keep. God has never been late. He's never missed an appointment. He, God has never taken on more that he cannot handle. The old folks used to preach, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. God is faithful. It's who he is. It's, it's who he is. God cannot help but to be faithful. In fact, for God to be unfaithful would mean that God would have to un-God himself, and he, he is not going to do that. Faithfulness is such an intrinsic part of God, it's who he is, that for him to be unfaithful, he would have to un-God himself, and he ain't going to do that for nobody. 
Jeremiah the prophet, he's known as the weeping prophet. He witnessed the destruction of his family and the destruction of his city. And in Lamentations chapter 3, um, as he looked upon the destruction of his family, he, he cried out to God and he, and, he, and, he, and he revealed something about God that gave him strength uh, in tears and in depression. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In the midst of his destruction, in the midst of his grief, the prophet Jeremiah does not abandon the character of God. Instead, he looks in tears at the destruction of his family and says, Lord, great is your faithfulness, O God. Great is your faithfulness. See, the, the faithfulness of God is grounded in his character. It's who he is. He cannot abandon himself because that's who he is. And faithfulness is to be reflected in God's people faithfulness is to be reflected in God's people in fact Proverbs chapter 12 verse 22 listen to what it says it says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord but those who deal faithfully are his delight Listen to that. Uh, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Listen to this. If you ever want to make God smile, then operate in faithfulness. If there's one thing that makes God smile, when he looks over heaven and he looks at, onto the earth, whenever he sees his children operating in faithfulness, it puts a smile on his face. That's my son. That's my daughter. He's finally acting like me. Puts a smile on God's face because that's who he is. And every time we, 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 we reflect that faithfulness, God, God's heart gets filled with, with joy. And then we read in Galatians 5.22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So the more we submit to the Holy Spirit, the more this faithfulness begins to be cultivated in our life. And this is the supernatural life. God doesn't want you to live a natural life. You cannot live this Christian life naturally. You need some supernatural power that comes by the Holy Spirit and, and, and cultivates faithfulness in your life. Kingdom people are faithful people. Kingdom people are faithful people. We're faithful to God first, right? We're loyal to God. We're committed to God and the ways of the kingdom. There's too many what we call greenhouse Christians. That they only, they only blossom in a protected environment as, as long as there's no rain, as long as there's no wind, as long as there's no storm. They are faithful to God. But the moment, the moment that the rain begins to fall and the moment the wind begins to beat down upon their life, all of a sudden they lose their faithfulness. God is looking for people who will stick with them through hell and high water. God is looking for people that won't allow the devil to run them off. That's the type of person he's looking for. People that will cultivate, allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate faithfulness in their life. 
I love what the prophet, prophet Habakkuk says. Listen to this in 3.17. Listen to what he says. It says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though their olive grass fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God, my Savior. That's commitment. That's loyalty. And there are still people today that give their loyalty to God beyond everything else. That's what it means to be a citizen of heaven. That's what it means to be water baptized. One of the symbolisms of water baptism means that we have severed our loyalty to the world and we connected it to God and his kingdom. There's still people like that today. They're, they're still here amongst us. I had the privilege of, of uh, preaching at the funeral of the mother of one of our worship leaders last week uh, and it was an honor for me to be able to uh, preach the gospel to all her family and friends um, but one of the things that struck uh, struck me to the core is when I looked up and I seen um, her her father uh, dance around the casket of his wife of 40 years and right here, right here, right here, there's still people that still are loyal to God. There's still people that even in pain give praise to God. I want to show you this picture. I want to show you this picture right here, right here. This man danced around the casket of his wife of 40 years yelling out, ain't no God like Jehovah. Ain't no God like Jehovah. They're still here. There's people here that put God above everything. Faithful to God. Faithful to God. That man danced around the casket of his wife singing praises to God. It's not just in the Bible, but it's being lived out amongst us right now. You know why? Because the mission of Jesus still continues and the Holy Spirit is still real. We need to be faithful to God. We need to be faithful to our relationships. We need to be faithful to our relationships. We need to be committed to one another. We need to be committed to our spouses and one another. Listen, just because somebody, just because your friend disagrees with you doesn't mean you cut them off. Just because your friend offends you doesn't mean you cut them off. We need to be faithful to, to relationships. That's what the fruit of faithfulness is about, is being faithful to one another. Just because we have a disagreement doesn't mean I have to write you off. Just because you agree with one thing and, and I disagree on it doesn't mean we have to end our friendship. What type of friendship is that? I was blessed at our Whittier campus. We have a service on Saturday nights at Whittier, and there's a couple there, uh, Richard and Rosemary. I want to show you their picture. They've been married for some 50 years, 50 years. And I was struck because I look at them come to church, and they're still holding hands walking into the sanctuary. They're still hugging each other walking out the sanctuary for 50 years, they said I do. Not just on the day they got married, but every day since that they said I do. Listen, there's still people in our generation that demonstrate the faith, the fruit of faithfulness. And they're amongst us. They're amongst us. Someone say goals. Go. That's a goal right there. 50 years. I just want to like want the, the anointing to rub off on me right there. So be faithful to God and we get faithful to relationships. And then lastly, as I close, um, we need to be faithful to, to worship and faithful to church and Faithful to Bible study, right? We've got to be faithful to church, to worship, 
And the Bible says we need to be faithful to where God is moving, right? We need to be, so we need to be faithful. Someone say faithful. Um, people, people often uh, ask me or they think, they said, Brian, how did, how did you get to the place um, where you're at now um, based on where you, where you started off at? Like, how did you, how did you move from a one-man cell in the L.A. County Jail with a red jumpsuit, bald head, sentenced to life in prison. How, how did you start there and get to the place where you're at now, where you're, where you're living in purpose and you're living in spiritual abundance and you're, you've been married for 24 years and you, you're, you're in this place of spiritual abundance? What is the secret? Like, what, what is the secret? How did, how did you get from a one-man cell to a place of spiritual abundance? Like, what is the secret sauce? How, what did you do to get from there to here? People often and ask me that they, they how, how did, what happened what, what what you do did did this do it did that do it what what did it and, and you know you know what the secret was it's not a mystery you know what the secret was I'm, I'm gonna let you in on the secret sauce all right here, here here was the secret sauce you know what it is are you ready for this here's the secret it's not a mystery it's not rocket science you know what it was it, I, I kept showing up yeah it's not a right don't take rocket scientists I kept showing up I want to show you this picture I want uh, people at people say people say Brian Brian how did you get from this place right here how did you get from this place and this is one this is my youngest daughter right here right so how did you get from this one man cell to, to in this particular place of spiritual abundance listen it's not it's not rocket math right it, it you know what it was I kept showing up I kept showing up what do you mean what do you mean well it started off when I was in prison Right when I got saved and they would, and I began to serve the Lord, every prison yard I went to, you know, the first thing I asked, I said, "Well, where, where's the Bible study at? Where's the prayer circle at? Where are the Christian brothers at? Where's the church service? Every time I got transferred to somewhere else, where's the Bible study at? Where's the prayer service at? And guess what? I showed up." I showed up every yard I went to. I showed. Where's the brothers at? Where's the prayer circle at? Where's the Bible study? And I showed up. And when I got released from prison after 16 years in 2008, I began to scan the, you know, the, 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 the scenery of where God was moving. And I was like, where's God moving? Where's God moving? And I, and I found out that God was moving in this church in North Long Beach called Light and Light Christian Fellowship. And guess what? I showed up. I showed up. I remember my wife was at work. My son was in a was was in a car. He was so small. He was a little baby, and 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 I was at home, right? And and there was an event going on at Light and Life. There, God was moving there, and I said, "Man, uh, I think I need to go over there." And but then the mind said, "Man, you got a little baby here. How are you gonna go? Your wife's at work. You got a little baby." And and I said, "No, but God is moving over there." So you know what I did? I put my son in that little car seat. I strapped him up as best as I could, hoping he would not drop. And I picked him up and I put him in my car and I showed up with the baby in my. I just showed up. I just showed up. I ain't lying. I got pictures. I just showed up. And guess what God did? Every time I showed up, he moved me from faith to faith and glory to glory. From faith to faith and glory to glory. And all I did, all I did was just show up. Listen. If they have anything good to say about me after I'm gone, if they have anything good to say about me after I'm gone, you know what they're going to be able to say? They're going to say, he showed up. 
he was there. I got proof he's in the picture. He's in the picture. He's there. You could see it. He was there. And listen, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. God will move you from faith to faith and glory to glory. You just got to keep showing up. You just got to make an appearance. You just got to be available, right? You just got to be, here I am, God. Here's my family. Here's my son. Here's my daughter. Here we are, God. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. And listen, at the end of the day, God will reward your faithfulness. He'll reward your faithfulness because that's the type of God that he is. So my brothers and sisters, listen, as we, as we, as we set our, our, our posture to go into this week, we are to press on with discernment. Lord, Lord, give us discernment. And we are to press on with faithfulness. We've got to stick it out. We're going to stick it out, Lord. Give us that strength to stick it out. Show up. We're going to show up. I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep showing up and watch God show out. Because, yeah, yeah, there it is right there. When we show up, God shows out. When we show up, God shows out. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple moments, um, this is an important part of our time together where we just bow our heads and hearts and reflect upon the word of the Lord. What was God trying to get across to you? What was he saying to you? Uh, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple moments in an atmosphere of reverence and meditation, let's, let's reflect. What was God trying to get across to us? Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we look to you for discernment this morning. Fill us with wisdom and discernment. Help us, Lord, to see beyond the facade or see beyond the surface. And Father, we ask that you help us to cultivate the fruit of faithfulness. Help us to stick it out. Help us to continue to show up that you might show out in our life, in our family's life and in this world. In the mighty name of Jesus, and we all pray, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand, praise. Did you learn something this morning? Hallelujah, praise God. We're gonna continue our study next Sunday. I invite you back, remember 10 a.m. Uh, at this time, we're gonna prepare our hearts for our tithes and our offerings, and we're gonna call up Pastor Martin. Give it up for Pastor Martin.